Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ultimate Podcast. With me, as always, my co-host Mitch Kurtz. How you doing, Hello. Mitch? Good, <laughs> thank you. And we are thrilled to have on the show someone we've been planning to to hopefully get on for a little while now. But um, he's here uh, in his comfy digs up at Byron Bay. It is the CEO of ANTG, Matt Cantello. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew and Mitch. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. No, thanks so much. It's um, yeah, we've got so much to discuss with you, given how big a player ANTG is in the market here in Australia. But perhaps before we dive into that, do you just want to give us a, a bit of an overview of your background, how you fell into the the medical cannabis space in Australia? Absolutely, yeah, and and it was it was a bit of a, a falling into it, that's for sure. But yeah, my my previous experience and my previous life was was building and leading a a large ASX travel company, um, be, began small in 97, the ripe age of 23. I, I started up a business on my own in Melbourne. Um, and those first three to four years were pretty tough, but certainly a huge learning curve. Um, and soon after that, I, I met Jamie Ferris out of Brisbane. And after a couple of years of discussions, we merged in, in 2000. And from there, the company really took off. Um, I believe we, we sort of had the secret sauce and it was based on good business fundamentals um, they sort of underpinned the company. And the results of that were until COVID, we achieved every financial target for pretty much every quarter for 20 years. But what's more, our, I think our cultural indicators, you know, staff satisfaction, staff retention, customer satisfaction, were incredibly good. Um, and so we took that startup from the late 90s um, to an ASX listed company in 2010. Um, finally, sort of employing over 3,000 staff around the world at a market cap of over 3 billion. But, I think the greatest joy that I got from that experience um, was seeing the number of staff who ended up holding shares uh, after our listing. I think it was about 75% um, on the day. And they all did very well out of that. And that gave me a lot of a lot of joy to see the people that helped build the business actually benefited financially from it. Um, so moving forward after 2010, when we listed, uh, 2011, we decided to, to go overseas. So two reasons we, we listed on the stock exchange. One was to expand our, our brand globally. We believe we, we had that secret source and we could take the, the model elsewhere. And two was to give our staff the opportunity to hold shares in the business and, and we achieved both. But um, the first business we acquired was in 2011 in Denver, Colorado. And so I moved over there um, for a few years and it was just in time to see the, the, the medical program in its infancy had already been rolled out, but the, the full-blown 2011 medical program was rolled out while I was there. And then, of course, that moved into recreational in 2012-13. And so I watched this happen right before my very eyes. I think I was pretty lucky because not many people get to see uh, a, a, you know, a medical and recreational cannabis program roll out. And, and just how uh, the, the observations I had from that were quite profound in many ways. Um, obviously, the medical, anecdotal medical stories that came out of it, which I'll come back to, were, were, were you know, gut-wrenching and, and, and pulled on your heartstrings, but also the socioeconomic benefit to the state that, you know, I don't know whether those socioeconomic, I haven't really looked at the stats lately, but certainly early on in the piece, <clears throat> we were think, seeing things like um, opioid overdoses were significantly down. Um, youth crime down all, all the stats the early stats looked really good and I thought to myself wow this is this has got legs and um, it's only a matter of time before cannabis be legalized in other parts of the world including Australia so that's when I just started crystal balling and I started thinking about the, the possibilities and 
came home in 2013. I'd had a long stint with CTM and I decided to make a big jump. Um, so I, I kept uh, my shares in the company, but I, I left the executive role and really just started building my, my knowledge around the cannabis space um, for about two years building knowledge and, and expertise and surrounding myself with, with people that were very smart in their respective fields. Um, moving forward to 2015 and 16, uh, we launched ANTG and began to plan and then to began to build out our facilities while simultaneously breeding um, our high CBD uh, plant called EVE under a hemp licence, which I can come back to later. But obviously with the reason it was a high CBD plant to breed was because it was under hemp license and not under medical. So um, we were lucky because we got a head start in that regard. Mm. As in 17, um, we'd invested a lot of money into the business and we could see that it was going to be a slow burn in Australia. So we decided to, to uh, head off over to America. And um, longer than short of it, 2017, we acquired a fully licensed cultivation, manufacturing and distribution business in, in San Fran, um, just out of, out of downtown, actually. Uh, this is where we cut our teeth and, and we built enormous knowledge and IP around breeding and genetics, um, manufacturing and, you know, distillates, isolates, all that stuff really um, was a, that was a huge eye opener for those four years that we've been there too four or five years, um, we brought that IP and that knowledge back to Oz with us, which, again, is, is really valuable. Mm -hmm. 2018, um, we saw the first of our research projects take off because I'm, I'm a big believer in, in industry-leading research. I think it's our job. Um, and so we approached Professor Matt Dunn from the University of Newcastle. He's from the Cancer Research Signalling Department. Uh, we believed in our hearts that Eve displayed some great anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial characteristics, and it had a fairly unique terpene profile. So we sort of, Matt, Matt was a little reluctant initially, but we sort of forced a check on him to, um, to start the research. And that first six to 12 months was really just analysing the, the, the plant's chemical profile, but that moved on to acute myeloid leukaemia, which I'll get to. But um, it's certainly our hunch of anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial characteristics was right because he's now proven it in lab, in, in vitro. But, you know, three years after we, we started that, uh, we're moving towards full-blown clinical, clinical trials. Um, and Professor Dunn, he's, he's, turned, he's gone from being a sceptic to an absolute believer. Uh, I think the letter that I got from him in, in the, the end of year two was um, when Matt first approached me, I, I was a sceptic and I, I told him it wasn't going to be the silver bullet he was looking for, but I'm now a believer. Um, it's my job to get this information out. He's since published a, a peer group review journal based on how high CBD, low THC can affect acute myeloid leukaemia in particular. And in the lab, Eve has killed cancer cells but, but kept healthy human cells alive. Now, obviously, that's not full-blown clinical. We need to, to, to understand that, that we might get different results when we go there. But early, early stages in the lab, I think we've, we've really found something that's quite unique. Um, since then, we've, we've signed up to two more research projects that will both begin soon. Unfortunately, COVID hampered our, our clinical kickoff dates, but you know, mm. looking at precognitive impairment or pre-dementia, um, which we know is a huge problem to society and uh, it's going to get worse. The statistics show that, that uh, one out of 50% of us are going to be uh, directly impacted by that, whether a loved one or ourselves. And so, of course, governments around the world are... are, are you know, throwing money at it. But we, um, we have certainly kicked that off with the University of Western Sydney. We've done all the pre-work. It's now just getting into the actual clinical. Um, and the other project which will be um, 
planning out very soon is, is an IBS project. Um, so that's sort of where we, we, we got to over those number of years. But as I said, I think, I think it's important to really recognise that industry has a responsibility, an obligation to put its, its money where its mouth is when it comes to um, investing in, in research. We need to provide doctors, especially Australian doctors, who are a little bit um, more risk averse uh, and also their patients and wider community that it's safe, which we all, you guys know, I know, but we need to provide that data and the, more importantly, the efficacy data, which takes a lot longer and a, a bit harder to, to get out. Um, but yeah, that's really the, sort of the crux of, of how we got here. Amazing. That is uh, an incredible story. And, and I'd say, yeah, definitely the experience you've had thus far, something that was um, for sure lacking in the early days in the, the Australian scene and potentially is still in, in, in some respects. Um, but um, I mean, most people, when they think of ANTG, I think at least the feedback from the community that I see is that, you know, a very strong um, cannabis flower presence, let's put it that way. They, I know you guys have got all different products, but um, when, when I hear about ANTG, I, I do hear about um, flowers mostly being talked about, which is tends to be the hero of products if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but in saying that, um, I'm very curious to know a little bit about your, your genetic program, your breeding program, you know, how you're selecting the types of strains or the, the seeds you want to work with in the first place, um, how you're choosing to select phenotypes, things like this. Obviously, no IP, but what you can give us, the, the people are interested. So, um, you know, there's a few very famous um, strains you've got out there at the moment. How, how, how did they come to be? Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, our flower strategy has been at the, at the crux of everything we do. You know, without great starting material, you're not going to have great end material. So mm. we, we really focused on that, the, uh, the, the flower being, being the most important part of, of the journey. And, you know, um, America gave us great insight into what strains could produce a lot more resin, what strains um, were, you know, um, better to grow indoor versus greenhouse versus outdoor. Um, you know, what strains really showed a good terpene profile that, that, that characterised it in a more um, specific way. And that's really been our focus. But, I mean, I can't take all the credit for that. There's no doubt about that. Um, we, we highly value our head of, head of plant performance is the, the, the name of the title, Rangi, Rangi Folder, who's been with us for the whole journey. Um, I call him my chief wizard. Um, we place a huge value on the genetics. He certainly places a huge value on the genetics, even more important um, on the, the breeding program. As I said, greatly assisted from our Californian experience, but of course we had to start from scratch here. Um, we had to buy seeds from, from Canada initially. We didn't have the, the New Zealand amnesty, unfortunately, um, and US wasn't a legal market to buy them from. So we, we searched high and low for the best genetics we could, we could kick off with. Uh, out of Canada, and we found what we thought were were really good starters, and and we're right. I mean, Rocky or LF and and Solace uh, Tangi, we believe were really good, strong cornerstones to start with. But complementing our probably our real cornerstone being Eve, our high CBD, our high CBD um, plant. And I give you a bit of background about how that came about. Um, you know, we started growing uh, high CBD under a hemp license back in I think 15, 2015, and Rangi has now bred over eight generations and, and we've moved into plant breeder rights. It's actually quite a process. I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's quite a process. It takes years to, to do it, but we're well underway with, with plant breeder rights with Eve and we've started the process with 
with some of our other other genetics as well. I mean, the other the, the sort of the final piece of the final flower that we've got in market right now is is good old OG Kush. You know, <laughs> you can't beat it. And so when we we saw that on the list, we were like, that that's that's a staple, and that's great for us to be able to breed with as well, which which we've now which we've now done. And you know, our first female being Eve, that's why she was called Eve. Um, we managed to push you know nineteen and a half percent in the in the hemp field of CBD, and um, as I said, it became the centerpiece for our breeding program. Um, we've recently bred Eve and Rocky uh, to come up with a really nice balanced strain. It's it's actually slightly higher in CBD than THC, around thirteen and a half percent CBD, twelve and a half THC, which is a really strong profile. I think type 25, 26, possibly one of the the test results came out at twenty seven total cannabinoids, which for a balanced strain is, is, is pretty good. So mm-hmm. launching that on, on market here in Australia and uh, uh, possibly Germany, we, we, we get to talk to them about that in depth. But, yeah, in Australia, it's going to be launched probably within the next month, um, probably not in time for Christmas, but certainly the new year. Um, then further beyond that, I mean, it takes, as you guys probably know, it takes a good, well, really 12 months from inception to commercial product when it comes to breeding programs. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky, you might be able to push something out in nine. But if you do, you you, you risk not picking the best the best phenos. So um, where we've moved on from here, we've gone and 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 Rangi would be the best. He might even have to come on and have a chat with you guys. He'd yeah. Love um, he, he you know he's gone and selected all the the best of what he can see and then bred it all bred it all together. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of of different um, strains that we've bred. Now he's going through the selection. He's gone through the selection process with with a handful of sativas. And um, some mid-strength indicas, and now he's looking at um, at the balance strain and how we can sort of incorporate that to get four to four to ones, four to twos, and and, and something a bit different out there in the market. Um, but yeah, look, we, we place so much value on it. My favorite my favorite part of the, the the month is when I can get to our our um, research facility and I can I can you know get my head in there and have a good chat with Ray and find out what's what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Head and, you know, um, you know, sometimes you just got to follow your nose when you're uh, in a place like that. Um, yep. Or have your head, head in the weeds. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, well, I, yeah, and it's interesting too, the sort of, um, you know, that sounds like a very um, comprehensive breeding program that, that you guys have had now ongoing for, I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why you'd be considered, uh, you know, veterans in this nascent industry here in Australia. But clearly backed by a lot of knowledge um, from, from North America as well. But, um, you know, we hear so many doctors, um, you know, because the level of education is around, um, has, hasn't really sort of penetrated beyond CBD and THC, I find that a lot of the flour and, and oil products in Australia are often, you know, kind of not like for like in the sense that they're not starting necessarily with the same um, starting genetic materials, but, the actual balances and that's why when you talked about the four and two and then some of those more interesting things i'm just curious and maybe this is one for for the wizard but um you know are you doing anything in particular to try to um also get a greater expression of minor cannabinoids Ooh. like cbg and, and cbc and, and also to i guess have a rich terpene profile what's is there a focus yeah. there for you guys yeah absolutely andrew and you know um CBG has is, is been high on the agenda for Rangi for quite some time. We do have a couple of CBG plants that he's, he's playing with. He hasn't given me too much more knowledge on that, so I'm not pushing him. But, yes, that's certainly a, a focus. 
and terpenes, no doubt. I mean, as I said, the terpene profile of Eve was just so unique when we went and compared it with every other high CBD flower we could find. There was a couple of terpenes in there, and I will keep that that uh, knowledge to myself, although it is common knowledge anyway. Um, but there was a few unique terpenes in there that just really expressed heavily, and I think that that led to their uniqueness in, in many mm. regards. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't stop there. I think, you know, we, we've got the breeding program sits in, in, in one um, facility, and right next door we've got a... Um, a grow methodology research lab. So we put them under stress, we put them under different lights, we put them under different, uh, all, all different growing conditions to come out, come up with what is mold resistant, what is microbial resistance, I should say, that the, the, the M word, the other M word's horrible. Um, you know, what uh, what expresses more under fluence or, or under LED versus versus the old, you know, the old lighting. So yeah, we, we, we sort of, I, I think we did, start that program a good sort of two years ago and it was where Rangi was highly focused and we got a lot of good stuff out of that that then produced some of our current genetics that are, that are coming through but that's that's an ongoing process as you guys probably know we're going to keep keep, keep doing that uh till, till the day we die that's it's great I um I also was was curious when you know we've seen recently changes in the market how you know, I think it's fair to say when the industry was was first starting that oils were central to what was being prescribed. Um, I'm not sure if that arose because doctors have a, a, an idea of how to dose something more accurately. I'm not sure, but we've seen this, you know, proliferation of, of flower products in the market and the take-up has been enormous. And I know ANTG has been sort of front and center of that, but I'm just curious, was the plan all along to to get into that flower space or did you have all this flower that was intended to be, um, you know, extracted and, and turned into oil, but you decided, uh, you know what, there's a flower shortage. Let's jump in. Well, it's, it's a good point. I, I, um, I often don't take no for an answer. You know, when I first thought about what products we're going to, we're going to hit the market and what's going to sell well and, and looking at other markets, including Canada, of course, um, and Colorado and California, all these places, you know, I was, I believe that flour was going to take over oils as a, the dominant um, format in Australia in due course. I didn't know how long, but I knew it was going to happen. And of course, we asked a lot of um, we asked a lot of doctors, we asked a lot of um, health uh, professionals what they thought of, of our strategy to push flour through for our oils while while building the formulations. And they told me I was I was silly, um, but I really I, I mean I just couldn't help but feel if you look at every other market. Um, both medical and rec, but but focusing really on the medical, eventually flower is the more dominant format. And Canada was no different. Legal medical markets in America were no different. And as we're seeing here in Australia, it's finally happening in a in a in a quick way. Like I think it was forty percent of of prescriptions last month. And I, my prediction is that's going to push above fifty, um, you know, in the next six months, if not higher. So I think we 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 bet on the right horse there. And it's and, and it, a lot of it was to do with with onset yes um you know we i think a lot of medical patients have had some experience with cannabis you guys would agree with that um and they know what they know they know what they like and and that's what they want so we listen to what patients out there new patients new australian patients maybe not new medical cannabis patients but we we, we listen to what they they were they were screaming out for just by looking at the stats around the rest of the world we're not that different from canada we're not that different from certain parts of america you know so it was probably the the, the right um 
the right choice to make, I think. Our oils are, you know, we took our time with, with developing them. Um, we got Justin Sinclair, uh, you guys probably know, on board some time ago, and he's now heavily involved. He, he's loving loving it up at the lab there with Rangi, actually, and they're formulating some wonderful oils. And that, those oils will all reflect or, or be complementary to the flowers. So we'll have a, a rocky oil We'll have an Eve oil, we'll have um, Solace and, and both Mariposa, and then the one-to-one. -one. And we'll also start developing um, those same those same products in vape form. Not, we, we are already developing them in vape. Obviously, creating a vape oil is a bit different to creating a, uh, an oral oil, but we are well on the way to getting, um, you know, the three different prongs being flour, oil, and vape of the same product to market um, in the coming six months. So we, we really are, are excited about that. That, that's actually quite novel. I, I'm just thinking about, yeah, just basically. So from a, a patient side, they just, you know, it, it might be a, a process of, um, you know, working with their doctor to just find the strain that works for them. And then yeah. when they have that option around method of delivery, um, that's, that's great. I'm really, really impressed by that. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I think it's, it's important to um, just keep innovating. I think, um, you know, innovation is a word that's thrown around a lot, but you know, while we're talking about these these sort of strains that we've already had in development for a while, and 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 the more different formats that are coming, we're also you know thinking of next year and the year after, and um, I think that's what's important for any successful cannabis uh, medical cannabis company. Yeah, and I think tying back into the question from before and and that point, do you see flower sitting at the foray at the forefront? I guess rather into the future or do you see potentially different product formats taking over or yeah where do you see it sitting in in your seat that's a that's a crystal ball um we love crystal balls here I, yeah but that's one i can't quite answer the reason i can't answer it is because i think the a lot of the medical patients that are that are buying flour are um uh, you know they've had some experience um they might have grown up in the 60s <laughs> or even the 90s um where it's it's been um, it's fairly 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 common for them in, in maybe in a university days or whatever, and I think we're still seeing a lot of those types of patients who are now have been self medicating for years and now they're all of a sudden legally allowed to self medicate. Um, but I don't know about the new generations. I really don't. I mean, I mean there is a big you hear about schools that have got nicotine vape issues or not even maybe nicotine. I don't even know what's in those juices that they, these kids are selling at schools. So I think it's terrible, but you know, there is younger people that are attracted to that, which I don't think is a good thing. Let me just be clear on that. But as they become adults and, and they, they, they need medical um, assistance and cannabis happens to be the format that, that helps them, then I don't know whether I'd certainly think there'll be a move away from flour in the longer term, but certainly uh, vaping for that quick onset is important. Oils, and then there'll be so many more novel products that come onto the market. But we're really cautious about about creating novel novel products because we look around the world and they don't really sell very well. Yeah, you got, you've got to sustain your business. You can't build a whole bunch of of lozenges or or um, gum that all of a sudden you know. You, you believe people are going to want. Yeah. Um, you've yeah. got to listen to your customer base and, and, and give them what they want and, and try to anticipate the future as best you can. Uh, that's why when I see stuff like CBD toothpaste, I always just think, <laughs> really? Is that, is that anyway? Healthy gums. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, well, maybe you've got a cut there or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gum infection. Uh, um, something I definitely wanted to ask you about. Now, sterility. 
in uh, Australia. We have some very strict protocol in this country. I knew you were going to go here, Mitch. Yeah, like well, it. you know, I just want to hear it from, from somebody who's living and breathing it every day. Breathing yep. clean, clean air, that is, obviously. Um, how do you feel about the, the level of um, scrutiny with which Australia looks at uh, kind of microbial limits in Australia? Australia compared to say what you have to do in Europe or Canada. Yeah. Um, is that, is that something that you feel is, is a positive thing is a negative thing? And just curious to get your kind of stance on that. Look, yeah, the standards are very high. Um, sometimes some would say a bit too high. If you look at Germany, their, their limits of, of microbial are much higher and they're still safe as far as the German health department's concerned. Um, New Zealand and Australia took a different a different angle. Um, look, I've been I've been uh, an advocate of, of the TGA and the ODC just because I think that they've done the best with what they've had. Yeah, certainly they could have done things better, but I think you know um, based on the the market here, the doctor network they've they've got to deal with here, our patients. I think they've probably done the right thing. Whether that changes in the future, I, I don't know, and I, it's a tough one because we like having those high standards because it, it, it allows, you know, it, it's, a, it's a high barrier of entry, which is good and bad, of course, because we, we don't want to run out of product, but it's also ensuring that the, the cleanliness of the product is second to none. Um, and patients who buy Australian grown pro, um, produced product um, are assured that TGA 93, TGA 100 is categorical every time they open a product. Well, mm. they should. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, Germany, yeah, they've they've been a little bit more, um, I suppose, flexible with their their limits, and it's um, not a bad thing. But it's a it's a tough one. Every every health department around the world has a slightly different spin on oral inhalation, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they're, it's, they're not they're not aligned. And in and terms that, of thinking okay. about irradiation, for example, yep. you're definitely killing anything that would be potentially harmful. But when you think about how many millions of people have smoked non-irradiated oh, yeah. with, with, with positive effects over the years? Obviously, it changes when you're in a commercial uh, growth situation to some degree, but, but um, you're also potentially removing some of that stuff, which, you know, the terpenes, more volatile compounds, which might make it potentially an even better product in some ways. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, like what is it herbs and, and spices have been um have been treated that way forever in a day right mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if anyone's done any pre and post testing of of basil after you know yeah but it would be a good 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 exercise still to good go. in the oven <laughs> yeah but look from all the data i've seen um we've seen absolutely minimal minimal degrading of of terps and cannabinoids from that process if you get it right i think you know you can get it really wrong you can over you can over zap it so mm. and 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 you can actually really affect the structure of of the tracks and, and everything in it but um, you know if it's done at the the perfect level for the reflection of what's in that batch then uh, you know it's the only option that Australian companies have got at this point because the, the levels of 200 TYMC, I know you guys probably know that. I don't know if mm. the listeners, but, you know, that level is, it's, it's like a Panadol or a ventilator inhaler. It's as, it's as clean as you can get. And, and I think the, the good part about that is that it just gives, if doctors and patients are aware and understand what that means, it gives them really good comfort that they're not going to be, you know, um, inhaling 
or eating any uh, microbials. And it's, it's, I, I'm thinking it's something like 10,000 plus or 20,000 over in Europe, maybe, and maybe even 50,000 in Germany. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. And even higher in the US, potentially? US is 40,000 in California. Okay. California is 40. Yeah, um, interesting. Because you wouldn't need to, the, is it the case that when the level of tolerance is that high for microbial um, or mold and things like that, that you don't actually need to irradiate products from those parts of the world? It's really a bit of an Australian thing or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And obviously, as we know too, once you ignite and combust a material, it pretty much does, it kills anything in there anyway. So people can have that. But I think, you know, people really want to know that what's in that jar or that bottle mm. Clean as clean as a whistle, and I think that's a, that's a good thing for the minute. Um, yeah. That might change in the future, but but I don't know. I mean, we 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 look at, at Canada um, for our lessons to some degree, and and their limits are lower, and they didn't have the same scrutiny from the health department um, early on like like we did, and certainly their imports into Australia, and this is a hot topic right now, of course, don't have to go through the same scrutiny as as ours. But I mean, I I don't want to. I don't want to blast the, the Canadians too much. I love Canada. It's one of my favourites to travel. But when it comes to the cannabis industry, they seem to have uh, uh, got it wrong. I'll be yeah. You know, the, we're learning lessons from those Canadian failures. Just, I mean, just look at the most recent reporting results of the big four LPs in Canada. I mean, the results, in a word, are horrible, absolutely horrible. Mm. They're not running good businesses that, that are going to last. So you head across the border down to, into the U.S., um, where cannabis companies there are hamstrung for obvious reasons, um, yeah. fed, fed state reg differences. But yeah. just to have a look at TrueLeave, and I know TrueLeave's got, got a rec market uh, available to them now, which, you know, when they were medical, it wasn't as, as um, expansive. But, you know, the Florida customer base is a population of 20-odd million. It's, it's smaller than Australia. But they're tracking to annualise over like $1 billion in, in uh, revenues in the next 12 months with huge net margins of 40 to 50. Um, you know, compare that to the large Canadian LPs, they're losing tens of million dollars of investor money yeah. to, um, while they're still paying out huge salaries and bonuses to executives. And I, I just don't think that's going to last forever. And why I give paint that picture there is I think some of that um, philosophy or mentality on, on first movers take all the money and spend it big and you'll end up with something excellent. I mean, obviously it's not really, really that, that smart. And you look to Australia where we, we seem to be doing the opposite, barring a few exceptions, you know, we certainly are. We're, we're growing into the demand. We're not trying to make the demand because no one can do that. It, and it was, I mentioned financial um, sustainability and, and while that is very important, we also believe it's vitally important, you know, to build culture that reflects your values. And part of our values at ANTGs, and it's been from day one, from a very first session that, that we had our senior leadership session back in 15, 16, um, we wanted to ensure that we we're patient-centric. You know, our mission in life as a business is to enhance the well-being um, of our patients, listen to those patients, and then develop products that they need and want, and then execute, I suppose, on all of those aspects to ensure that you've got overall success, happy customers, happy shareholders, you know, um, happy bank balance. But, you know, uh, one thing that I, I really love to do, and I, uh, I think we were very successful at CTM with this, is, is to build that culture within staff groups from day one. Have them be a part of, a part of that culture. Have them, you know, um, 
not just be part of it, but to 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 dictate the terms of how we how we operate, how we how we um, go about our, our our daily business. So you know, I think that's really important. That that um, I just wanted to get that across. That you know, a lot of Australian companies really need to to take heed from where they've gone wrong in other parts of the world and um, and build a program, a business model that avoids those risks. Well, there's yeah, there's definitely been uh, a few companies that, I mean, the, the Canadian learnings and learnings from other markets around the world are, are there for all to see. But I, unfortunately, I think there have been a few companies, won't name names, that uh, have followed in the Canadian footsteps of, you know, overshooting, um, you know, sort of attempting to confect demand and, yeah, you know it is gradual, and it's it's been a it's. I think we sometimes forget in the industry that it's as gradual for everyone in the industry as it is for the regulators. And and you know the recent changes that the TGA has announced, it's it's bit by bit. Um, you know they're just as much along for for the ride as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, certainly um. It looks as though certain countries in Australia. I know you guys have been dealing with um, with with Germany a little bit. They're sort of following a similar trajectory um, to Australia in terms of the the manufacturing and and quality standards, um, which I think is a is a very good thing. And it will actually be really interesting if Australia does go um, recreational, how that skewers, um, I guess, the progress that has been made to date. Um, whether that would you know, open up to a flood of, of new investment. I'm, I'm sure it would. Um, mm. while, while we're crystal balling here, do you have any, um, you know, any, any uh, ideas about what it's all going to wow. look like in the next five years? Are you expecting it to go recreational by then? Well, it won't. It won't it, well, I don't think it'll happen under a Liberal government. Um, mm, agree. Um, it might go on the ticket for Albanese um, in this next election, but I doubt it. If, if he looks overseas and sees the success of, of Trudeau, then he might. Um, you know, in my personal opinion is I'd rather get our medical program established a bit stronger before we do that because you're right, it'll get, it'll get muddied. Mm. And I would rather have some more clinical data to back ourselves up, some more um, patient numbers that are, that, are, that are showing positive benefits, medical benefits, before we open it up to the masses. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to happen for, for five years, but I, I could be wrong when you never know. Yeah. These things can change quickly, but you know one of the one of the reasons why I think you know um, we should support local. Obviously, I'm saying that I'm a bit biased. Mm. Locally produced versus international, and let's let's be honest. Most of the international stuff is from Canada. There is some stuff coming out of South America now, and I welcome that competition. Um, but why would you grow in Canada when you can grow in Australia? I mean, and and why would you buy Canadian when you can buy Australian? I mean, we're all we we're such a uh, colloquial group. You know, we've always. Mm. The, 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 the green and gold kangaroo, it's, it's a big part of our lives. And I certainly, when I look at something on the shelf, if there's an Australian made versus international, I will always buy the Australian to support local producers. And I mean, the cost to produce is, is lowering. I, I think I've heard some Canadians say that, that it's, it's not worth growing in Australia. I, I'm looking out at a, a sky right here with not a cloud in it. Yeah, and, yeah. And we're in Melbourne. Yeah, I was going to say, you're clearly not in Melbourne. <laughs> no, no, but we, we have a lot of sun up here. We have good conditions. We have, um, you know, the power to run a greenhouse is a lot less than, say, in Canada because you are being powered by that sun. We're looking at, at green energy too. We're very, uh, very much keen on, on green energy. We're looking at every way possible to try to incorporate that into our business. Mm. Um, by buying locally also, you've got less middlemen. You know, we're vertically integrated. Mm. 
pure. If some Canadian company is selling it to a distributor who's selling it to a wholesaler, selling it to a, for a pharmacy, I mean, how many mouths is that feeding on the way through? People are complaining about price. Well, that's part of the problem. I, 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 I get it. People have complained about some of our prices and, and I take that on the chin, but for all the reasons I've mentioned, yeah, the, what I haven't mentioned is the cost to set this business up over the last six years has been astronomical, as you can imagine. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we are, we are endeavouring to bring down our, our product prices as best we can. Rocky is a, is a higher price and some would say, oh, that's because you, you, your cannabinoids are higher. Well, really, it, it, the, the development of that strain was most costly um, and getting it, getting the right pheno to market was, was not, not easy. Whereas Mariposa, OG Kush, it's, it's an easy strain. We, we price based on how, how, um, how we can grow it. And so that's, that's been really important. Yeah. I think so, people- yeah, but, but, Sorry. I was going to say, I think people also forget different um, different strains have different yields, different grow cycles, yeah. these kinds of things. So they, they don't actually all economically stack to the same, you know, exact figures. No, but it's our it's our promise to the market, especially with we've I don't know if you knew we launched our CBD one hundred, which is an isolate based product, um, but the market was asking for it. Um, I wasn't sure. I've always been a whole plant guy. Um, and and full spectrum to that effect, but you know the market was asking for it, so we did it, and we came in at, at 174 bucks, which was you know, half the price of some of the Canadian imports, and certainly um, cheaper than most others. And we want to do that if we can afford to do it. We want to give give Australians um, the most affordable product we can. And um, you know, being private, independent, it's been challenging. You know, just the, the sheer cost to set this up has been significant. We've persisted and persisted. Some weeks, you know, in the past before we were. We were making revenue. I, I didn't know how to pay the wages some weeks. It was that. It was that crazy. And, and but you know we persisted, and the result is we haven't been beholden to shareholders' demand for early returns. We haven't been beholden for ASX complex and costly reporting structures that are time consuming. Sure. I think we've been nimble. Um, we've been as cost effective as we can be. We've been creative, and we've been very inclusive with all of our staff. And I mean, I suppose this has sort of allowed us. To become profitable in our first full 12 months of revenue, albeit minor, but we, we're going to um, keep pushing forward. And I think, you know, um, if we can turn this into a profitable, successful business, our customers, our, our patients are going to see the, um, the benefit of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that probably ties in to the decision maybe that obviously you guys are now it's public knowledge that you guys have signed a deal to supply product to Germany. But, you know, if you're by that same logic, you'd imagine that would Germans be better off getting German-made cannabis in, in that same vein? Yeah, look, it's a good question. I think all the all the stars aligned for that that EU partnership. What happened was when um, Minister Hunt came out and legalised medical cannabis, he realised, I think his department realised, that it's going to be a slow burn and these companies are not going to survive on Australian patients, you know, for the first few years. A lot of them go out of business. And so he opened up the export, which we, as soon as... He did that because we had the same thought. How are we going to how are we going to actually keep the doors open? It, California was one of the ways to do it, but California is a highly competitive market. Not always easy to make make a buck. And so the first thing we did is is we jumped on a plane. We went to Berlin to uh, to a, a medical cannabis conference in Berlin um, back in two thousand and eighteen. I think it was. Um, we'd we'd found a gentleman by the name of David Henn, young CEO of Canamedical, and he also uh, has since had a sort of reverse takeover of Sendor, which is a large narcotics distribution 
business. Now, David and I just got along very well from day one. He's got similar values and ethics. We've become very good friends. He's been out here probably five, or not since COVID, but prior to COVID, he'd been out here five times. I'd been out there four or five times. And that's to get to know each other personally and, and from a business perspective. And we aligned very quickly with understanding what he wanted, what his patients wanted, what we could provide and, and, and meeting in the middle. And if it wasn't for that EU contract, uh, we entered into a, a three by three pretty much straight away. If it wasn't for that, you know, it would have been very hard to have kept the doors open while the Australian patient numbers grew. Now that partnership has really blossomed and, and our, I suppose, um, our future there is, is very solid, but you're right, there will be the opportunity for, for Germans to grow for themselves, but it's gonna be a while away. Um, the amount of, of, of product that the Germans are allowed to produce themselves right now is still minimal. Um, and they're going to want, they're still going to want, um, you know, exotic products from New Zealand and Australia. I think there's, there's always going to be place for Australian grown, New Zealand grown produce around the world. We're, we're very exotic, aren't we? Um, over I here think so. In Australia. <laughs> The, um, it's, it's interesting too that there's just been so much um, investment in the, the sector in Australia, um, I think has been contingent on companies opening up export channels. I know um, some with more success than others, but you guys, you know, we saw that announcement into Germany. It's, it's great, great to see, um, you know, some very high quality products heading over that way. Um, I'm, I'm well, Rocky's, Rocky's, um, Rocky's the number one Indica seller through his, his through David's distribution network and the Germans are loving it and, and Solace as well. So um, they're the only two probably, you know, I think there's been a bit of speculation on what we do sell over there, but it is Rocky and Solace in, in our Hefe and Tangent Chem format. But um, I want to be very clear with any Australian patients who might be listening that Australian patients take absolute precedence written into our contract. It's actually, Greg Hunt said that you must write into your contracts, which we did. Our German partners are fully aware of that. As the numbers in Australia grow, and notwithstanding there was the flower shortage back in Feb, and that was purely based on the fact that nobody predicted the demand. Um, I wasn't listening to my inner inner head, my inner person. I was listening to other people's advice and saying, oh, we'll start with this amount. Should have started with this amount. But, yeah, I want to be very clear that Australian patients are number one, always take priority, and as I said, it's written into the contract. So we have to, if we want to service both masters, we have to find... Um, more more canopy space in the future, which is what I'm focusing on heavily right now. Is uh, is Greg Hunter patient of uh, ANTGs? <laughs> we, we don't we don't get to find that information. <laughs> we only see the initial information, Andrew. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've just, I just I always keep thinking. I'm like, it's just so curious how the ACT allows households to have four plants and the home grow amnesty. How many? Yeah, of doesn't doesn't employees? need to be a patient. Doesn't yeah, yeah exactly. Go yeah. walk down and grab. King grows just, his own. Probably, just give him the rocky seeds, and, and off he goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of politicians, kids that live in Canberra, isn't there? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> just saying. No, it's, yeah. it's like there's a business opportunity there, Mitch. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, very good. Um, well, I think um, we're probably coming to the close, but I, there's the one probably last little bit. I think the people might be interested in. And you've touched on this. A little bit earlier, but just the the future. I know that of uh, ANTG. What, what's what's coming up? What's in the works? Um, I know that you guys are looking at doing a couple of new products potentially. Um, yes. Maybe just giving giving the people or some of your loyal patients a little bit of a view as to what might be over the next uh, year or so. Yep. From a product point of view, where our breeding program is constantly churning um, with our, our plant wizard 
And, you know, the one-to-ones that we're about to release uh, are exceptionally good. I've not seen anything like it um, around the world. I think I mentioned 13.5% CBD and 12.5% THC. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got that Rocky and Eve combination there with, with some really good terps. Um, but back in the breeding program at the research facility, because that, that product now is in full commercial production, it's actually being packed this week. But back in the breeding program, we've got some really wonderful, um, I think a lot of people would would describe our products as a little bit diesel-y, mostly, maybe not Mariposa. Mm. Um, and that's probably fairly true, but we've really got some good fruity um, fruity strains genetics coming through with all the tangy and mandarin type things coming out of them. Um, uh, and that's probably six months away from, from coming into the market. Okay. And then there'll be some further breeding of those products with some of our existing products. Um, but I suppose the point is we want to keep innovating. And, and I think that it's important to get um, a vape product on the market because currently doctors that are, are willing to prescribe um, in vape format, they're currently providing a flower and, and obviously a, a vaporization kit or recommendation of such. And we would like to think that having a, a vape oil, which we can obviously we need to educate on because it's it's in its purest form. We're not going to adulterate it with anything really. It's going to be a, a, a pure um, a pure product. So we need to educate people on that. But it's literally going to be the essence of the flowers that we've already released. And I think doctors will probably be once they are educated on what's actually in the cartridge. I think that they'll be um, fairly willing to prescribe that, maybe more over flour. So I think that that's a big push. And of course, you know, um, with the research we're doing, there's going to be other um, formats that we're looking at. You know, if we're talking about a cancer patient or we're talking about a, a pre-dementia patient or IBS, then of course we need to look at it. Maybe it's soft gel caps, maybe it's sublingual wafers, maybe it's um, a whole bunch of other things. But the research that we do will tell us what uh, what's going to be the best. Um, format for that for the onset onset for that product for that condition sure absolutely but uh, other than that i mean yeah i probably avoided the question a little bit uh, look antg we I, i'm so proud of, of everything we've done i'm proud of my crew so much um and i we're just going to go from strength to strength. we, we use a, a, an online communication tool which has just been buzzing uh, this whole time uh, the communication between bays, between mother room and 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 GMP section, between head office and and research, it's just constant. I think that's wizards, really- the wizards in uh, in full fight is is just on yes. a mission. I love it. it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wizard chat, he wizard is, yeah. chat. But I'll, I'll have a chat with him about getting him on because I'm sure he would uh, he would love to. You won't stop him talking. No, that's any problem. No, that that sounds like the ideal guest. We uh, no, we'd love to. Yeah, love to pick his brain. But really appreciate you. Yeah, giving us at least the overview of all the um, the breeding stuff that you guys are doing. Um, I'm still yet to see other companies jumping in and getting around the the actual. I guess, registration of IP rights over plants um, in the Australian space. So I think you guys are not just pioneering on the product side, but in, in many, many different ways. And, and we talked also about, about the export activity too. So no, it's all all looking great uh, for ANTJ and we're, um, you know, we're just kind of interested observers following on from the sidelines, but um, but yeah, it's been great to see um, the the rise and rise of, of ANTG and and we know many patients who have spoken to us and and given rave reviews about um, about the products. So credit. Right. I hope I hope it's helping people. Thank you, thank you both. I've really appreciated the hour. It's been fun. Excellent. Thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to chat with us. It's been insightful. Cheers. No worries. Till next time.
until next time. Thank Thanks, you. Matt. Right. Cheers. Thanks, guys.